Hi, Debbie Shear. Nice to see your face. It's great to see you virtually. Here we are on our first Zoom recorded podcast. How do you I like know. it? I think it's it's a it's a good option. It's not my favorite, but it's 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 gonna do. This is our plan B, but I think we should start out by telling folks what our plan A was, which oh, our, yeah. until until last yesterday afternoon at I think it was 5 p.m. was when we officially went on lockdown here in Denver. Until then, we were we were still supposed to, of course, social distance, but we were a little bit left to our own our own rulemaking as far as how the social distancing would work. And you and I were going to set up in a park down the street from us with our lawn chairs and our big microphone right between us, six to probably 10 feet apart, because I think you and I are fairly careful. So I think it would have been more than six feet apart. Yes. And just scream at the microphone in an open air park um, so that we could do it, you know, in person with one another. Yes. That was... It was officially canceled for us at five o'clock last night. It was. That would have it been was. one day earlier because that would have been a lot of fun. I know. It, it would have. And in fact, the mayor just issued, I just saw online that if you are caught, you know, in groups or doing what you're not supposed to, that there's jail time and about a thousand dollar ticket. Wow. So it, it's serious. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think you and I are both big time supporters of the fact that we could take this seriously. In fact, um, when we first realized that the ban was going to make plan A not work, my initial reaction was because we are allowed to go outside to exercise. Mm -hmm. We are um, supposed to maintain that six feet of social distancing. My thought was we could still do it with the microphone between us, you and I would just have to do jumping jacks for the whole hour while we talked. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not having any of that. That's not happening. <laughs> well, I think you're right then. Sitting sitting in our chairs and doing this virtually is is our best bet. It is. I think the the thing that you and I have had, well, the thing, one of the millions of things that you and I have had on the front of our minds as we go through dealing with the pandemic and and trying to do the right thing when we're still trying to figure out what the right thing is in many in many ways. One of the headlines here in Denver, and I have since found out it's been going on around the country actually, there's been a lot of municipalities that have dealt with this same thing, is that on Monday afternoon, our mayor, Mayor Hancock, ordered all of, well, he, he ordered us all to go into lockdown on Tuesday afternoon, the announcement mm-hmm. made on Monday afternoon, and there were some exempt businesses that were allowed to stay open. Mm-hmm. Stores, of course, anything medical related. But one of the things that was noticeably on the you must close list were the liquor stores. And here in Colorado, where marijuana is legal, the marijuana shops were both ordered to close as well. And it caused a bit of a panic. Would you like to describe the panic that you witnessed? Well, I think what happened was, you know, even to take it back a little bit further, I think there were no less than eight questions during that press conference about liquor stores and dispensaries. They kept coming in, you know, he would, he, what a tough job, right? Taking them from the reporters in the room, online questions. So they were coming at him all different directions. And 
I remember at one point he finally called, I think it was a district attorney, if I'm correct, up to answer, to make the final call. And that, and when she said that liquor and recreational weed, which it does need to be clarified that if you had a medical card for medical purposes, that was fine, that was essential. But recreational as well as liquor was considered non-essential. And I don't know if many people listen to the rest of the press conference <laughs> because from what I could see, just people were flying down. In fact, I live really close about a block away from a liquor store. My neighbor reminded me, didn't you hear all those cars honking? That's what they were honking about. They were in line at the drive-through. And I think when they showed, you know, our big, one of our bigger ones, Argonauts here, it was hundreds, hundreds of people yeah within minutes had arrived so it was an interesting thing to sit back and and watch the panic brain in action well and it's funny because i had a conversation so i'm three years in recovery and i had a conversation with somebody who's i don't even know how many years he's got a lot more than i do but we both were instantly able to tap into that spot in our brain of how we would have reacted in a similar situation and both of us had different reactions uh, mine, I think I've got enough paranoia flowing through my body and my brain specifically that I would have seen this coming. I mean, my wife and I actually had a conversation about a week prior about, oh boy, what if they try to close the liquor stores? So I feel like this isn't bragging. I'm not, I, I'm just paranoid enough that I would have already had six months worth of booze in the basement long before that announcement came, just kind of yeah. reading the tea leaves. Yeah. Good point. Pardon me. And my friend's reaction was very different. He said, oh, no. He said a lot of his drinking was done while married, and he hid a ton of it from his spouse. So his thought process oh. was, I would have gone in and gotten all the vodka. I could have specifically vodka because it doesn't smell, and I can mix it with anything. And I would have bought it in various size bottles that would hide well in various areas of my closet wow. and my, you know, the crawl space for my attic or whatever. Wow. And just filled up my car and then tried to sneak it into the house when my wife wasn't looking. But it definitely would, would, send, a, would send a drinker into a panic. There's no question about it. Well, and that's an interesting thing that he shared. I mean, that's pure survival. Yeah. for him right you know everybody's trying to survive and doing what they need to and for him that was what he would have needed to do to survive yeah it's intense it is how long do you think you were kind of on top of the news cycle a little better than i was monday afternoon because you texted me about it once or twice how long do you think the order to keep the liquor stores closed actually lasted you know i was doing a live video uh, right after, and I feel like during that live video, somebody actually posted that he reversed it, okay. <laughs> lifted the ban. So it could not have, I'm sure what happened, you know, in his defense, the, the city's making hard decisions with, we don't have a history for this, right? In, in Denver, at least. And no, I think what happened, oh, go ahead. Nobody does anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think... Somebody probably said, oh, hold up, please. We have 500 people within inches of each other waiting to get booze. They are not thinking about physical distancing. They are panicked. And it was, it, and I have to tell you, at different liquor stores around my neighborhood, it was almost turning into a party. 
environment, mm -hmm. right? It was, it was a novelty. It was funny for a lot of people. And I think his office realized quickly, this could cause more damage, right? You know, we're now putting all these people at risk. Well, they're putting themselves at risk, quite frankly. So they lifted it and then, you know, recreational weed and liquor became essential. Yeah. Well, and you know, there, there is a, there is an essentiality. Is essentiality a word? There, there is a, an, a way in which it is essential, especially the, the liquor in that if you've reached a level of physical dependence, yeah, and, and that can be the gutter drunk or that can be the high functioning alcoholic. I mean, there's no, you know, defining characteristic or defining level of drinking that makes you physically dependent. But if you've reached that point, whatever that is for you, you can't go, you can't quit cold turkey without the risk of seizures and even the risk of death. Right. So one of the things that was brought to my attention in the last 48 hours was, you know, it, I, I think, I think like you, I think the mayor saw the, the party breaking out in the liquor store parking lot with the half panic and half joking around looks on people's face. And I think he made the decision based on putting those people in such pro close proximity while we're supposed to be socially distancing. But I think eventually the medical people would have gotten around to the mayor and said, look, you know, sad as it is, some of these people, they need their vodka or yeah. they're not going to make it through the night or yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah, good point. Yeah, sure. it, it's kind of an interesting twist on it. And it's also a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Right? Like nobody's, you know, I, I'm not saying that was the reason to lift it. I don't think it was. I think they just realized that people in their sheer state of panic were causing, you know, a bigger issue. But it's interesting. And, and I've tried to have the conversation with a few people. Like, what do you think about that? What does that say to you? What do you think that means? And it's not an easy conversation to have, especially when people are already stressed yeah. and, and that's heightened, they don't want to go down that road. Nobody right now that I know of who is a drinker wants to talk about their drinking and how it might be problematic during a quarantine. Well, I get it. I get it. Social media is full of memes right now about, you know, homeschooling and lack of toilet paper and in the top three of most popular things people are making jokes about on social media is good thing I stocked up on wine before the lockdown hit. So, so we make jokes about it and, you know, send the funniest picture we can find. I saw one where someone was using a wine glass as a, as a face mask before they went into their medical job or whatever. Right. Um, so we make all these jokes about it and then we see it play out in reality in the 53 minutes or whatever it was when the liquor stores were, threatened to be closed and we can't we can't be surprised by that i mean if it's Absolutely. one of the things we're talking about it's going to play out in reality too right yes and when you think about mom culture which sure. is a it, which is a separate culture where alcohol you know the message is for most moms you can't parent unless you have a bottle of pinot with you yeah. that's that's the that's the message that's pushed to moms i i bought it i was a you know a hearty mom drinker. But what's interesting is, and that this is feeding into it now, now, holy crap, your kids are home. My goodness, 24 seven. And if you're home with them, of course, you're going to need to drink. Of course. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that I used to think was funny. And now as much as I like to laugh, I can't 
think of that in any way other than sad. Yeah. And it, you know, it's kind of like one of the things, I saw a quote from Mayor Hancock, and I don't know if it was during the press conference that you referenced, probably it was, but it was certainly on Monday evening at some point, a reporter asked, was asking about the decision. And the, the quote, I wrote it down so I wouldn't flub it here. It, the quote from Mayor Hancock is, as much as I might think it's essential for me, it's not essential for everyone, speaking about alcohol. Mm. He's making a joke. He's I'll, I'll go along with what you said. Let's cut him a little slack. They're making mm -hmm. really tough decisions, unprecedented times. I get it. He's trying to lighten the mood. But he's talking about alcohol and saying, as much as I think it might be essential for me. So he is either owning up to an alcohol dependency, which I don't think he really is, or he's making light of alcohol dependency. And neither of those are okay for me. Mm -hmm. um, right. And then... You know, if I had some obscure, like, weird disease that nobody else had and, and you want to make a joke about it because it's, it's not a threat to, to civilization, fine. But there's 15 million American alcoholics th that we know of. There's probably way more than that. And the lines outside the liquor store of panic buying tells me there's way more than 15 million Americans alcoholics. That's not a joke that you can cut. That's not right. okay with me. Does that make right. sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, but we have to mitigate that, right? You have to uh, play it off as a joke. So people don't, like I said earlier, people do not want to look at the stuff during a stressful time. They don't. And when don't. we talked about it in our, your last podcast, I mean, if you're using alcohol, well, I know I was, to you know cover up anxiety and depression and not have to deal with those emotions, you remove that and you're left with, holy shit, I'm in my house with my kids, my my partner, significant other, maybe not for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And now you want me to look at my anxiety and depression on top of this. That's yeah. a tall order. It is. It's funny. So in the shout sobriety program that I run, you know, we've, we've spent, we're always really connected the participants in the program and I, but we spent a lot of time together recently for good reason, right? Because all I can think about when I think about what we're going through is 9-11. Mm. And originally, the first time I started talking about and writing about that, I was actually apologizing for, I know this isn't as severe as 9-11, but as I would mm. make my commentary, right? Now, I mean, this is not in lives lost. I don't want to sound cold, but this is blowing 9-11 out of the water for economic impact oh. and distress on people's lives. And what, I mean, we're World War II time frame if you want to try to find a comparison and none of us have any experience there. Right. So, so in, in conversations with these people in our shout sobriety group was, which is all people that are in early sobriety and just trying to make it. One of the big things we keep going back to is when you make it through this sober, you are going to, it, it's like having, I don't know, pick a number, two years worth of sobriety. If you make it through mm. two or three months of this, the lessons learned, the exactly what you just talked about, facing your anxiety, facing your stress, dealing with difficult conversations, dealing with all this stuff in this isolated way. And if you make it through, when you make it through without drinking, it's going to make you powerful. And, what, and the reason I bring that up, when I think back to my own reaction at 9-11, I sat on the couch and I watched CNN and I drank. And I drank. Mm -hmm. I can remember... You know, it'd be a Wednesday afternoon and I, or Wednesday evening after work, 
and I would, I would be drinking way more than normal, and I didn't blink about that. I thought, you know what, I am entitled. The world is going through this traumatic thing. The country is going through this traumatic thing. I can drink all I want. I'm curious for you, so, so not someone that necessarily was an alcoholic, not someone that had a rock bottom moment, someone that decided that alcohol wasn't working in your life and you made the decision to stop drinking and it had major benefits for you. Yes. How, do you find extra cravings to drink right now? Do you feel good about the fact that you're not drinking right now? How is that working for you? Right. I think I texted you or reached out to you a couple of nights ago. I can't remember. I know we chatted about it maybe. So I have felt pretty good, but until one moment in particular, and that was when I got the email text message and voicemail from Denver public schools saying, we are now extending spring break. They always try to make it like it's a good thing, right? Like we're all in Brazil or Hawaii or something. And Hey, we're going to give you more beach time with your family. <laughs> But the message was, we are now extending it. We will go back no, no earlier than April 17th. And in that moment, I remember my boys were on the couch watching TV. I went outside into the backyard. I, it was, it was great, very refreshing out there. I looked up. I started to cry. And I thought to myself, son of a bitch. Like a vodka tonic or a tequila Izzy or, you know, went through my list of favorites that would be amazing right now. Yes. And, and I just, you know, I, in doing my work with this and other things that I'm, you know, obviously the universe is saying, hey, here's some more stuff to work on. I sat with that and I thought, that's okay. That's a perfectly okay thing to think and feel, right? Like I'm not going to beat myself up about it. And then I just took a moment and then I went back inside. Yeah. And said, all right, we're back in it. Let's go. But that was, and interestingly enough, that has been like the, the one time that I can remember that had like this, you know, layering effect. I was crying and I thought this would be great. And I, I knew obviously logically it would not help the situation at all. It would taste good, but it would not help the situation. Right. So yeah, I, I mean, that was my, and then moved past or through or however you say it. One of the things that I've noticed about you as we are connected by social media now, I think you know I'm not a big social media guy, but you have been doing something awesome daily now for how many days in a row have you done your, your video, your oh, Facebook lives? We've done it five. I think we're going to take a little pause because quite frankly, it's exhausting and I can't, but we've done it five, five days. It's been five days. So I've watched a couple of them all the way through. Mostly I've just kind of, I've, I've gotten the, the flavor and really enjoyed the costumes. I mean, you're, I can see why it's exhausting. You're going all out with, with don't touch your face costumes. On well, your as you can see, just watching me, I am a chronic face toucher and it's a, it's a problem. So that's how it started. I was doing a video and someone commented and then reached out to me and said, holy crap, girl, you are touching your face a lot. And I thought, well, how can we turn this into a PSA? Well, it's been a great PSA. And so my question around that is, though, you're doing these at usually four o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, that's cocktail hour, man, um, or pretty close to it. Do you feel at all? Because when, when I've been watching you in the evenings, I've been like, you know what? If this is someone that that's, would otherwise have been drinking on the front porch with the other moms in the neighborhood, 
she wouldn't have time. She wouldn't have energy. She wouldn't have the comedic, you know, inspiration to be doing a lot of what you're doing. Do you feel like not drinking has had played any part in the PSAs that you're doing? Because you're doing it to lighten the mood for people. I mean, this is a hard thing to go through and you're doing it so people have something to chuckle about in the afternoons. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. I do think it's helped because I'm sure if I'd be drinking, I can tell you the course. I'd be drinking like you sit outside. We'd be sitting on lawn chairs six feet apart, mm-hmm. you know, telling our kids 20 more minutes, which would turn into an hour and then two hours and then three hours. And then I would come in and turn on a movie for my kids and, and watch it for a few minutes and fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So I would not be, I do think since I've stopped drinking, my creativity has grown exponentially, right? So it's always there. I think that's true for anybody. It's just, are you able to tap into it? And so I, I think that point is fascinating and really important for people to hear because so many people are afraid that they will get less creative, less outgoing, less conversational. You know, as a writer, a lot of people are that are drinkers when they're writers are afraid, well, I can't stop drinking because I'll lose my inspiration to write. And my experience has been, it's the exact opposite of that. The clarity of thought helps me tie these threads of ideas together into something that I can actually do something with instead of just some lame ideas that I can never get to work out into something tangible. So right. that, I think that's really interesting to hear you say that that's been your experience, um, that the the creativity is actually bolstered by not drinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're not dulled, right? And, you know, I, I have the ability being sober to to travel through the many depths and layers of humor, where I think when I was drunk, it was more surface, for me anyways. The one area where I have found that I've been less tolerant, less patient is in interacting with other drunk people. And that's, you know, so my job cause it makes me, I'm extroverted in my job. And so when I was drinking and the reason why I'm more annoyed now is because I see myself in those people, right? Mm -hmm. So that's all it is. It's just this huge mirror has been held up in front of my face. And it's like, oh shit, I was doing that. I feel like I want to apologize to everybody that I came in contact with. So that's one area where it's like, I don't, you know, I I spend very, very little time in bars unless I'm working. And I just, I, I really choose not to spend time with a lot of people who are drinking excessively. Yeah. For that. It's, it's nice even on a one-to-one basis to remember the conversation. So you talk about, it gives you more creativity, more inspiration, which I totally agree with. And it, and again, it's the opposite of what pop culture would let it lend us to believe. But the other thing that I think is the opposite, yeah, when you're meeting somebody, it's true that sober, it might take a minute to get things rolling, to get that conversation started. And I know that you and I being extroverts, there are lots of introverts in the world that uh, have more trouble starting the conversation than, than others. So I get that, but being able to remember the content of the conversation later and add on to it as you go along uh, and not repeat yourself, that's, that's a nice bonus of sobriety, not just telling the same stories over and over if you happen to hang out with someone for a couple hours at a time. Right. So, right. Yeah, I, I'm totally, totally down with everything you're saying there. Um, I want to come back. I think our technology has held up 
pretty nicely for us. We had one blip in the middle, but but goodness, Debbie, I don't think we should press our luck. We should probably wrap this conversation up. And be, <laughs> yeah. And be thankful. But before we do, I want to come back to one more point about the whole Denver threatened to close the liquor stores and then pulled back that order. This was a one-day news story here in Denver. There were lots and lots of pictures of the lines outside of the liquor stores. And I, I tried yesterday to read every article I could find from the TV news stations that all do little print pieces and then the Denver Post as well. I tried to read everything I could. And what really struck me was I could find no, and maybe, maybe you found it and I didn't, but I could find no commentary. All I could find was straight news. Mayor mm. Hancock announced this. Here's a picture of the line. Mayor Hancock reversed his announcement. There was no nobody opining at all saying, you know what, this is kind of a sad picture about, about our society, you know, kind of societal commentary. And again, I get that he had to reopen it for a medical reason on, on one level, but man, there are a lot of people standing in those lines that it wasn't medical. It was it was just a flat out, you know, panic attack because they were going to be separated from their booze. And it mm -hmm. saddened that there was no commentary. Did you, did you find anything that I didn't see? I didn't. And I think the reason is our culture is very unforgiving for people who are trying to, you know, open up that kind of dialogue. And especially, I mean, if you try that on a social media front, I could only imagine the kind of pushback that you would receive. Even yeah. though I think there are a lot of people going, I think a lot of people are saying individually, huh, that's curious, 500 people, I might, I'm sure I'm exaggerating, you know, 200 people, 100 people, whatever it is, gosh, maybe we need to look at that. But I don't think people are ready to have that conversation. Yeah. And I think they're making excuses of we're in a crisis, so you get a pass. Yeah. Instead of going, no, the, out, the drinking is the actual crisis, the drinking to excess, the needing the booze to get through your quarantine is what the true crisis is. Yeah. But I see the pictures. I don't think you're exaggerating. I think actually, if you look at the various pictures from various liquor stores, I think it was in the thousands, honestly. I, so I don't think you're exaggerating at all. But the, I think you're right. I, the only the, the thing I would add to this, I always find it difficult to have alcohol conversations with people who are drinkers, even if they've got their shit completely together and they are moderate in control drinkers. So I think it would be hard for like a Kyle Clark on Channel 9, who is known for his commentary and kind of pushing the boundaries. I think it'd be a hard conversation for him to have and then go have his two glasses of wine after the shoot yep. is done. I think, yeah. I think when we, if we were talking about heroin, it'd be a different discussion. But when we're talking about the world's lubricant, the world's favorite elixir, I think it's hard. It's hard for people to cut on people when they know they do, maybe not to the same degree, but they do the same thing. Well, and if you believe that alcohol is a poison and a toxin, all right, let's just say, if that's an understood truth, I don't, if that is, then you can't really engage in that conversation and go have your two glasses of wine, yeah. right? So you have to set yourself up for saying, no, but it's good for me. Those two glasses of wine are good for heart health or whatever. And maybe it is. I don't know. There's always conflicting reports. But if you're willing to agree, this is toxic then you put yourself, you back yourself into a corner. Yeah. Because now you're yeah. saying, I, hey, I hear it's toxic. I'm going to go load up on that toxic substance and I'll be back. Yeah. 
it's a yeah, it's an odd place. It, it it is it is it's and it's not just the news media. It's it's officials at, in the school district that you know we talk about how can we how can we help kids not make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. But at some point, those conversations get uncomfortable because the not, not just the administrators but the parents that you want to get involved. Everybody is going yeah who let's not push this too far because I got to go home and hit this myself. Right. So it is, it's a, it's a difficult topic for sure. But I hope, I hope something comes out of this. I think I'm naive if I think it will. I, you know, the pictures of the lines outside the liquor store, how can they even compete with the 15 million American alcoholics and the 3 million deaths related to alcohol? I mean, everyone talks about the World Health Organization now. Everyone suddenly knows what that is. Well, they've been talking about there's 3 million deaths associated to alcohol every year for a long time they've been saying that and nobody seems to care so i don't know how a bunch of pictures of people lined up around the block is going to change the conversation but i don't know i'll keep talking about it maybe we'll keep talking about it together we'll see what happens yeah i love it i love it i think we should um so i'm gonna pencil you in because i heard your enthusiasm at the beginning of the conversation for the next time we do this it will be in the park six feet apart doing jumping jacks so that we stay in conformity with the rules. So you're going to have to make a decision. Your yeah, okay. decision is, do you want me to be talking or do you want me to be working? Because I can't do that both at the same time. I can't do the jumping jacks and the talking. You can, because you're a runner. You're more athletic, but so. No, I, I run very slowly and that would be, yeah, it would be a lot of dead air or it would be just panting. Do you think people want to listen to us pant on, on a podcast for an hour? My guess is no. I don't know. I don't think you should sell yourself short. You might have the highest ratings for that episode. You just don't know what's <laughs> happening. We'll find out what people really want, huh? Yeah, exactly. Stand in line at the liquor store and they want to listen to a couple of middle-aged people pant. That's good. Well, Debbie, thank you for doing this. It was great to talk to you as always. You too. Thanks for having me. Enjoy this. beautiful. We have great weather out today and it's going to change soon. So I hope you get to enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been another episode of the Intoxicated Podcast. For my good friend and partner, Debbie Shear, I am Matt Salis. Thank you.